Wash your hands and keep it clean. You gotta wash your hands and keep it clean. We'll flatten that curve while we're quarantined. It feels absurd, but just you wait and see. Cover your cough and if you sneeze, and then you wash your hands and keep it clean. So welcome to the special edition of Thrive Subscribe, COVID-19 Practice Pearls. We've partnered at Thrive Subscribe with CPSN USA to bring you a special edition Saturday morning podcast each week that's focused on community pharmacy practice pearls during this coronavirus pandemic. So every Saturday, we're going to summarize the most necessary topics for you out there practicing in your communities. We'll also discuss best practices and common questions from your community pharmacy peers across the country by inviting our luminaries to attend this call live. Our goal is to quickly share top prioritized information for you to take back to your community pharmacies so you best help your teams, your patients, and your communities during this pandemic. Today's focus is going to be all about protecting your workforce. <clears throat> so in this podcast, I just want to pause and let everyone listening know that it will be available each Saturday morning for you to tune in wherever you listen to podcasts. So SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and you can subscribe to access it on the Thrive Subscribe podcast channel. So a little bit about our hosts. Um, each Saturday, Joe and Ashley are going to join us, and they're both pharmacists at Moose Pharmacy in North Carolina. Joe is an internationally recognized trailblazer in the area of innovation and healthcare delivery, focused on community pharmacy practice. He's a clinical pharmacist, the director of strategy and luminary development with CPSN USA, and he's co-owner of Moose Pharmacy and its six locations across North Carolina. We have Ashley here, and she serves as the Director of Network Development and Marketing for CPESN USA. She works directly with the pharmacy luminaries to develop and launch networks of high-performing community-based pharmacies. She's also the Director of Clinical Services at Moose Pharmacy in Monroe, North Carolina. And in her role at Moose Pharmacy, Ashley's involved in the implementation and enhancement of clinical activities, which includes immunizations, medication therapy management, women's health consultations, insulin pump training, and disease state management. So thanks so much to both you, um, Joe and Ashley, for being here today. Um, we appreciate you taking the time to talk with our listeners, and we'd love if you can tell us just a little bit about what's happening at your pharmacies and what community pharmacy teams need to focus on now. Yes, thank you very much, and, and welcome Thrive community, um, CPS and community out there. So We'll start this off again. As she said, I, I'm a community pharmacy owner, and I'm also a director with CPSN. So this is a, a sharing opportunity. So we're, we're, I don't claim to be uh, an expert. So if you, if you take the spectrum of somewhere between the, the guy posting memes on Facebook and the, the uh, CDC chief immunologist, uh, if that's the spectrum of people, I'm more down on the end of the guy posting the cat videos on Facebook when it comes to, to knowing uh, immunology and the ins and outs of, of that. So what we're going to try to do um, in these podcasts, with your help uh, from the audiences, is, uh, is give you what other pharmacies are doing. We really think that uh, we have a bunch of innovative entrepreneurs in our CPESN luminaries, and, and they've taken 
uh, a bad situation and is trying to make the best out of it and being very creative, very innovative to do what it takes to take care of the, the folks in the communities which they serve. So that's that's what we're attempting to do today. I'll kick it over to Ashley Branham. Ashley. Yeah, Joe's right. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. We, you know, Joe and I are um, on here just trying to figure out how to navigate this, just just like all of you. And, and if there's ever a chance for us to come together as a group of community pharmacy owners and um, be resources to each other, now is that time. Um, we are in this ever-changing pandemic together, and, um, and what a great opportunity for us to continue to serve our communities, um, but also share with one another how we're navigating this this um, crazy, crazy time. I know many of you are probably seeing, um, you know, very high volume, um, lots of um, activity going on, stocking shelves, running back and forth to make sure customers are getting their curbside service delivery um, needs. And so um, just um, we're thinking about you and we're right there with you trying to, to make sure our our stock is, is ready to go and our, our, our employees are um, staying healthy and, and, um, and, and feeling really good about what's coming about. Um, I know that so many of you um, probably head down, nose to the grind, um, trying to just take care of your, your patients in your community right now. And if you're anything like my head, you know, from the minute we open till the minute we close, it's business as usual or even a very, very busy day um, more so than usual. And you're not hearing, you're not, you're not exposed to what's happening all around you. And, and it's, there's, there's two paradigms of, of reality that's taking place, what's happening in your community pharmacy and then all the shutdowns and the um, communities and um, other folks that are impacted by um, this, this growing exposure. And so Joe and I really thought today we, it would be important for us to dedicate um, what are some of the best practices around taking care of our community, but also um, maintaining employee safety, um, making sure our employees aren't drained at the end of the, uh, you know, at the end of all of this, um, so that we can continue to be efficient in serving our communities. Um, so with that in mind, um, we want this to be very interactive as well. So if you have specific best practices and tips that you can offer um, to this community of, of community pharmacists, um, let's hear those. So, um, you know, Joe and I have got a few things that we've we've gathered um, either from, um, you know, responses from this group or others that we have seen that we want to share with you. But we also want to know what you're doing. So if you'll take the opportunity even now to begin typing in the chat box, what um, what are some of those employee safety practices that's working really well, or what are you doing in your community to, to make sure that um, you know, everybody's safe, whether it's your, you know, the, your patients or um, how you're protecting your staff at this time. We really want to hear that uh, and share that um, so it can be disseminated because um, it's hard. It's try, it, you're already trying to keep um, your business booming and going, but you're also wanting to make sure and there's extra effort in keeping your staff safe. So, um, so with that in mind, don't delay. Um, go ahead and type in some of those best practices. We want to make sure to share those throughout the course of, of today. Sure. So we'll jump right into it. Um, I, I think 
the first thing, and we're, some of this may seem very elementary and like, oh, I've heard this a million times, but I think we've got to get it out there because everybody is in a different place and what they're doing in their pharmacy. I've talked to pharmacy owners who basically it's business as usual. We're not doing anything uh, different other than just kind of answering some questions from folks. Um, to, although to pharmacies that have actually, you know, completely shut down their operation and, and, and aren't even uh, able to fill prescriptions anymore. So I think we've got folks all along the spectrum. So I think the starting point for this is you have to have, uh, you have to let your staff know what is going on and understand it from your perspective as a healthcare professional. So you need to be spending time educating your staff around what's going on. And, and so Ashley, how, what are some of the things that, that you've been, what are some of the ways that you've been communicating uh, with your staff and how frequently are you doing that? Yeah, I think that it's, it's um, increased in, um, in that communication strategy over the course of this week. You know, last week we kind of took the stance that we were monitoring it and we didn't have a, a very formal um, recommendation or process to our staff. And, and that's, um, that's certainly been accelerated now as we're seeing more and more cases. And we just got our first confirmed case in our county um, yesterday. So now it's here, it's real, um, and we can, you know, really feel that that um, that we've got to take action. We're, we're already two steps behind action. So um, we started out um, a basic, you know, team meeting on Monday morning and sharing. I typed up kind of a quick Here's the one through five guidelines, the weight more formal um, guidelines coming up. But this is, you know, it's the basic things that you can imagine. You know, ever, after X amount of customers, stop, wash your hands, wash down the, um, the counter space. Um, and that has, you know, slowly evolved now into more, um, more routine measures. Um, every day there's a, there's a new text message that goes out before work just sharing what new changes are going to take place, um, if there are any, which um, every day it seems like we're tightening down a little more, more closely, um, whether that's, um, you know, offering curbside. We have not yet gone to mandating curbside service, um, and we do not have drive-through access. So, um, so that's our next approach that we're going to start monitoring really closely for is when is the right time to – to shut the doors and only require delivery or curbside offerings. Um, so um, if you have some thoughts on that, please feel free to chime in on that too. Um, so so there's some of the text messaging so, and, and in-store meetings and reinforcement of that. Yeah, so you're texting your staff each morning, every morning yeah. before work? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yep. and, and what, what we're – Right. So and what we're doing and what we're hearing from some other pharmacies are doing is that they have a they have a pre-work briefing. Some open at nine and some have it from nine to nine oh five. Some tell their staff they need to come in 15 minutes early. And every morning they have a they have a, a uh, you know, COVID-19 pre-work briefing. And, and it's it's sort of like, uh, you know, he, here's what happened over the last 24 hours. There, this is. This is the most rapid uh, thing going on, I think, maybe in, in my lifetime where things are changing so rapidly. And so the, the information out there is the volume of it is incredible, um, as well as the speed that it's coming at us. So uh, I, I think that, that that's where you start. So uh, I've heard texting out to my staff. I've heard of having a 
pre-meeting debriefing and telling them, hey, here's here's what we need to be doing to protect ourselves. Here's what we did good yesterday. Here's what's changed over the night and how we do it. And I'll give you a quick example of this. I was, um, you know, we had decided to go to curbside service and I was telling my staff how we were pulling that off and how we were communicating that when folks called in and when we were doing our sync calls. And, and uh, so what we had is that patient would pull up in the parking lot. We created a flyer to go on the door if they walked up to the door, like you would see in a in a college town where somebody's trying to sell their their moped or their liquor sickle where it's got a picture of it and it says for sale. And then it's got all these little strips down at the bottom where you tear off a phone number. Um, well, we had the same thing for the pharmacy saying that we're having curves. So when somebody walked up to the door, they could tear off that phone number, go back, sit in the car and call us. They would call us and tell us we were there. We would take the bag, we would get a credit card, do the electronic transaction, and we would take the bag out and go hand it to them through the window. And I was talking to Deborah Bowers in, in uh, at Fort Mill, South Carolina, uh, about what her practice was. And she said, yeah, we're leaving the bag on the hood of the car. Um, and sure enough, that next day, uh, that was what we talked about in, in our debriefing meeting is, hey, let's don't give them you know, let's don't give them the bag. Let's tell them that we're going to put the bag on the hood and then they can get out of the car and get it. And one of my techs told me, yeah, we took a bag out there and the person wanted to get out and show me all the stuff. And they had all these things they wanted to hand me. And it turned into, you know, a very close interaction. So I think that's one, one uh, value of that debriefing is that things are changing so rapidly. Um, another thing, you know, I think that we really have to help our staff understand so they can communicate it, it is, is just some of the basics of, of what's going on, like, like wash your hands, wash your hands a lot, put in, put in, you know, times that they're washing or they're washing them every time they, they leave, a, go into a meeting, every time they leave the meeting, every time they go in a, a different room or leave the room, build in routines put timers up in your pharmacy. If you've got a, a, a smartphone, you can say in the smartphone, set a timer for 30 minutes. And then it, when it goes off, just say to everybody in staff, it's time, it's time, and let everybody go wash their hands. So those types of things. So just really basic things that you've heard a million times, don't touch your face, that type of thing. Um, I think probably one of the strongest things we could do, and, and Ashley and I talked about this, is, is you know let our staff understand that, that this is a math problem why because we get we're still getting a lot of people who want to come into pharmacy who are naysayers um you know i heard i watched the news last night and somebody was coming out and he was kept comparing it to how many people who had died with from flu versus have died from this and said you know we don't make this kind of stink over the flu but we're making a big deal out of this and it's it's you know it's the fact that uh that this this disease has the has such a, a long duration, so you have it a long time before you know it. Um, it's a fact that that there are tons of opportunities out there with the social exposure. Um, the transition probability of this disease versus flu is is extremely high. So that's that uh, transmission uh, probability is like how sticky is is COVID to you if you get. And then the susceptibility of it's super high. So I, I think of I think of back when I was I was young and in the in the Boy Scouts and they we had the carving merit badge we were all working in. So the, the scoutmaster comes in and he gives twenty five boys pocket knives. Well, 
obviously some kids cut themselves with it. If you give 25 people pocket knife, there's going to be somebody who, who cuts themselves out there with it. Same thing with this. If you, you know, if you've got a disease that is this rapidly spreading, even if most people just have mild reactions to, to it, you know, there's going to be somebody out there who, who has very serious consequences. So I think you've got to spend time educating your staff is what I'm getting at. You know what's amazing, Joe, and, and it seems like, um, you know, some people um, are are not following the numbers as closely, or maybe some people may respond to the numbers, but even just last night when it, the day closed, there were, what, 7,000 or just over 7,000 reported cases. Today, when I checked, it bumped up to 10,400 and some reported cases, and even from, like, hours of checking now, we're at 10,781 confirmed cases in the United States. I mean, those numbers are jumping up so rapidly that if, if people could see the quick, you know, and, and I know some of that's regarding testing and more access to testing, but those numbers are speaking. And, and if we could post that in your pharmacies or just kind of keep track of those confirmed cases so people understand it's out there, it's getting, it's finally getting measured, and, and there are um, a growing number of deaths that's surrounding that just in the United States. Um, that, that makes me want to go wash my hands right now. Right. So, you know, again, I, I think you're, you're right on point, Ashley, is that, that we're this thing is growing and just the uncertainty. There's nobody gonna gonna blame you, I think, if you're overcautious in this situation. Us as healthcare professionals, I don't want you to walk away from this podcast um, thinking, okay, this is doom and gloom. I think I think that there are there are uh, legitimate reasons to be extremely concerned, um, but it's not it's not there's not reason to panic on it. So we, we need to work together as a, as a healthcare community, share best practice and make sure that, that we are practicing, you know, uh, social distancing and, and letting, uh, letting, you know, us be guided by facts and, and, and evidence out there. Uh, this idea that, that we keep hammering on is, is, you know, stay safe, stay at home. Go ahead, Ashley. I was just going to say, you know, there's just, there's so much apathy out there and, and it's, that's a hard, it's hard to teach that. Um, and I don't, I know some people have taken the stance that they're just closing their doors altogether. And, and maybe that's, maybe that's where we need to go to or start to explore, but there is a, a good bit of apathy amongst our own staff and amongst our customers as well. Yeah, so, you know, I, I think there's a, a lot to be said, again, about educating your staff, letting them understand what's going on so they can know how to educate the customer, educate the patient, and know how to treat and respond to the patient. So there's a lot around, you know, how are you handling it, distance from patients. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of pharmacies putting putting cleaning protocols out there um, and and things that they're doing uh, in terms of, you know, routine cleanings of the pharmacy. Uh, I know that, that Max Pharmacy over in Tennessee, they've got some good stuff that they've, they've put out on social media about, you know, how they're handling their interaction with customers in terms of, of their delivery process and those type things. So, uh, you know, we really want to, want you, first point is inform your staff and then let your staff inform your customers. Uh, I, I've seen a lot of good information out there from pharmacies uh, in terms of, of 
you know, letting customers know what they have in stock and what they don't have in stock. So people aren't unnecessarily coming out and just browsing for stuff. I know Chris Antipas at, at Asti South Hill Pharmacy, um, you know, publishes on, on uh, can't remember, Instagram, Facebook, or one of the social media sites, the common things that people are looking for and whether he has it in stock. So do we have hand sanitizer? Do we have alcohol? Do we have masks? You know, do we have cough suppressor? Do we have toilet paper? Those type of things, yes or, or no, that we have it. So I think anytime uh, you can inform your customers uh, without them having to walk in is only helping protect yourself and your staff too. Hey, Joe, I think we've got some comments that are coming in. Um, Suzanne, do you want to um, kind of um, cite some of the best practices that you're seeing coming in? Yeah, yeah. So from pharmacies across the country, a few comments, and I'll just share these, and then um, the two of you can, can comment. But loud and clear, the message is that um, most people are keeping their doors closed. Um, lots of infectious disease uh, doctors that have told the pharmacy teams the doors should really be closed with that first positive case, and we're probably even hearing you know prior to that. Um, so a lot of people are switching to strictly delivery or drive-through or drive-up if you don't have that delivery window. And some tricks that have come in have been to, um, like you said, you know, put the bag on the car or also if the uh, patient is able to open their trunk from the inside of the car, they can do that, put the bag in there and then uh, close the trunk. So that's been some best practices. And um, we've also heard from Scott and Cheyenne um, that they have four confirmed cases there and uh, had the opportunity to speak at length with the defect, uh, infectious disease physician. And he repeatedly told the pharmacy team that the best way to combat this virus is social distancing. So with that, they locked the doors to their front end um, and just told people, you know, use drive-through or use the delivery. Um, and it's created a very different workflow. They were able to manage through that and today has been better. Um, but one of the things that they called out is that it's really helped to calm the pharmacy teams down a little bit um, because they were proactive and everybody was on board. Um, so it had that calming effect on the team. Absolutely. I, I've seen that with my own personal staff is the more information we give them, the more calm they are about it and the more they understand it and the more willing they are to, to help out in this crisis and not just kind of hide from it. Um, we, we also, uh, I've heard everything from a Gideon's pharmacy said that they wrap their iPad and, and saran wrap, um, that you can still sign through the saran wrap, but then they change it after each delivery. Uh, I did get a, get a uh, notice from Express Scripts today saying that you should attempt to get the delivery, but if you can't, note on the, the hard copy or electronic annotation on the prescription that you made an attempt and the COVID uh, you know, was the reason you couldn't. So you need to check with your individual individual um, contracts and, and see where they are with in terms of getting signatures. But that does seem to be a sticky point uh, that, that people are, are struggling with because the, the uh, insurances have not stepped up freely and, and given us the, the okay to, to waive the signature during this issue for the most part. Right. I'm seeing a, a number of pharmacies, too, that are taking away the ability of common use of credit card machines and things like that um, and, and allowing their staff to manually enter in the cards or, um, or, or signing. I've seen uh, someone sign COVID-19 routinely. Um, again, that, that may not be 
insurance approved for uh, in the case of an audit, but um, um, but that is activity that's going on out there. Ashley, talking about um, uh, talking about like uh, what services are essential that you're offering in your pharmacy? Like, what enhanced services do you think allow you to to uh, again protect your staff, but but deliver better care for for patients that are that you're taking care of that are chronically ill and patients that are probably your most high risk. Um, patients for contracting COVID or at least having a poor outcomes if they do, if they do get infected. You know, Joe, I think that we're seeing phases of this, uh, phases of importance. And so, um, you know, now we're kicking into to remote types of care. So uh, maximizing delivery services um, and, and, you know, as, as a typical day, there's, there's so much information that you're learning when you send somebody out to the home and that's being conveyed back of uh, maybe some activity that's happening in the community or there in the home, um, that uh, meaningful information that you can kind of care plan on. Um, we're getting requests for any and all, um, you know, we're seeing a spike in requests for influenza vaccines right now. I don't know if anybody else is seeing that as well. I don't know if it's just kind of waking everybody up to say, I need to be protected against all viruses or a misconception that, um, you know, an influenza um, a, a vaccine can help protect against COVID-19. I don't know where, where that's coming from, but we are seeing a spike in that for those that are still offering it. Um, of course, uh, you know, this is a fantastic time to, to really maximize your adherence program if you're just getting in it or you do have a more elaborate adherence program. We've got to minimize the number of times customers are coming to the pharmacy, um, both by their request, but also for our safety and the safety of others around them. And so um, what a great time to start getting everybody synchronized. You know, the other thing that I've noticed um, in this pharmacy is that we, we haven't really had a good track record of collecting email addresses or um, getting enough people to follow the social media. We just acquired the store in January, so we haven't really built up a, pre a brand presence yet. And this has been an opportunity for us to encourage everybody to join our social media sites so that they can keep up to date on information of, of, of any changes that will occur with the pharmacy, but also um, you know, be able to disseminate information to their email addresses when that's appropriate as well. So make sure you're capturing that and um, because you are dealing with such high volume folks that want, um, you know, up-to-date information, this may be a good time to maximize the communication strategy with your patients as well. Yeah, I think it, I think that that's the foundation of all of this should be that MedSync program. I mean, and I think this is a great opportunity to, to tell folks that you're only going to serve them MedSync, um, that you, you want to convert them over to SYNC program. You, uh, that you anticipate shortages, and this is your best way to manage shortages and keep them from being, uh, their care from being uninterrupted and their medication supplies from being uninterrupted. So get them on a sync program where you can start the process of, of taking care of them and reviewing their meds each month and, and do it. So again, I think there is a, you know, there is a, maybe uh, some opportunity uh, in all this, and, and you can use that to your benefit, uh, the SYNC program. I think it's also another great time for, for home monitoring. Um, you know, you don't want a lot of people 
don't know what their blood pressure is until they go to the doctor. Um, and that happens two or three times a year. And that's, that's how their, their blood pressure therapy is, is guided. So uh, convincing them that they need to be measuring their blood pressure at home because they don't have, they don't want to go to the doctor. The doctor doesn't want them there. Um, managing their blood pressure at home and calling you with the blood pressure results they're getting. So you have the opportunity, one, of, of, of helping monitor and helping guide their, their antihypertensive therapy and, and their overall blood pressure, as well as you have opportunity to sell them a blood pressure cuff um, in the same way with, with blood glucose or, or CHF, you know, have them weighing their cells and, and calling you into that. So, again, I, I think there's a, a, a tremendous opportunity right now for pharmacy to really stretch our arms around this concept that we are the boots on the ground. We are these extended um, folks in the community that are actually dealing with with uh, the chronic uh, chronic health and chronic uh, uh, follow-up of patients with chronic health conditions. And, and so I think we've got an opportunity now. Let's, let's, not, to, let's not waste this opportunity by, by Just, being head down and... That's pretty valuable because, you know, I, I think my strategy so much has been every day I race to work to implement the new crisis prevention strategy. And, and, and that's one step forward. This isn't going away next week. Um, and, we, you know, we may have a few more weeks of this. What is the strategy to keep the patient healthy at home? And, and you're thinking more now, longer term, patients are going to be home for a while. They may not have as adequate access to their providers or to inside their pharmacies where these sources were, these resources were readily available. So what is it that they need to be thinking about for home monitoring? How can we step up and make those calls to check on their blood, blood pressures every day and those kind of things? You know, this week and probably some of next week has been so much of crisis management, but you're right. We got to start thinking simultaneously about what's the survival strategy, what's the chronic care management strategy um, as we continue to go through this. Yeah, and I think that's where CPSN can really help out. Um, we've already are, are building tools around creating care plans for these individuals. You know, that is part of this this disease. If if you're test if you test positive, whether you're you're symptomatic or not, you're supposed to have follow up on it. And, and we feel like we're uniquely positioned to, to do that better than any other health professional out there. So, uh, again, I think care planning is at the heart of this. Uh, you know, CPSN can help you if you have any questions about what is care planning, how do I do a care plan? Uh, I think that they're they're uh, they're there to to help out with that and and, and uh, building tools uh, today and, and about you know what is the important type of information to be capturing with these individuals and and all your chronic care. So it starts with synchronization. Um, it, it it moves into to home monitoring and and staying connected with them, which you, you do through your synchronization call, call, and then you're capturing what you're doing with the care plan and using the the what you care plan to actually tell the story about how you are the group that should be monitoring and you are the group that should be taking care uh, of these chronic patients. So I think it, it you know it's screaming opportunity uh, out there for us if we just take advantage of it. You know, Joe, I, I want to um, 
jump back to a comment that Scott made. Um, I think he wrote in um, from from Wyoming. Thanks, Scott, for your contribution. Um, he mentioned that there's some confirmed cases, and he's been interacting pretty closely with the, a provider, or infectious disease provider in the area. And, you know, I think we the other kind of key thing, this, this week we've been thinking about preparing for when it comes. Well, it's here, and especially in Scott's case, in his community. Um, what are we doing around um, kind of staff, you know, staff infection prevention? And we've talked about kind of the, the washing hands, the prevention side, but what happens when there are confirmed cases that are growing closer, closer, maybe within even the own walls of our pharmacies? Um, you know, have have you gone to the, the the step of actually creating a protocol for anybody in your pharmacy that if they if they do have a confirmed case or they start experiencing symptoms, um, do you send them home? You know, what are what steps are you taking to get ready for that? Yeah, I would say anybody out there listening, um, feel free to send us if you have if you have a protocol or you have steps on what you're going to do uh, when you learn that somebody has been in your pharmacy that did test positive, uh, we would we would love to see that information and be able to share that with them. And you can always send that um, to uh, covid at cpesn.com. Any of those informations you have, uh, we'll be collecting. We'll be collecting those those uh, those pearls that you have and, and sharing them with others. So I'd love for you guys to, to send anything around when somebody tests positive, how you're going to handle that uh, on, on coming up uh, for the well, next even experiencing symptoms. I mean, you know, it's allergy season too, right? So how do you, how do you differentiate it? And obviously the fever is a hallmark sign, but um, I don't know about you, but I'd still be pretty nervous if somebody's coming in sniffling with chest tightness and, um, you know, we, um, what are our steps? And, and so I've been kind of thinking through some of those myself on, on what to do, of course, making sure their physician's alerted of, of those symptoms and that they're in a high-risk um, work environment. Um, but, you know, I, I think that's to come. I think that's probably going to hit many of our community pharmacies over the, you know, the next couple of days as well. I just wanted yep. to add, um, Stephanie McGrath just shared um, from out in Pennsylvania that some of the states, including Pennsylvania, um, are collecting contact information of volunteers to step in when pharmacy staff has then been exposed to COVID-19 to create that pool of first responders uh, with pharmacists. So that is happening in Pennsylvania and other states. And that's student pharmacists as well. That's, yeah, that's, that's phenomenal because, they, you know, I, when you lose one one critical person on your team, your operations are probably slow dramatically. And to have somebody that's readily available to step in to help kind of assist the, this increased volume right now that we're all experiencing, that's tremendous. And that's a great way to connect. So thanks, Stephanie, for that contribution. Yep. Not, you know, yeah. I've heard uh, groups like Lynn Conley uh, separated his staff into A and B teams so, so that, you know, if – one group gets it, you know, he's got a, he's got another, another team that can step in as opposed to having everybody work together. I've heard a number of pharmacies who were doing, doing those type things. So, um, again, I think we really need to, we really need to start thinking about this and down the road. So we, we encourage you guys to, 
to keep sending in this information um, to us about uh, about all the things you're doing, and as you're updating it, you know, send it in. We'll we'll sort through it and and then uh, regurgitate it back out next Saturday for next Saturday's uh, podcast. Hey Joe, this is Cody. Really quickly here, um, we have been collecting some of these best practices and operational procedures from pharmacies so far. And um, on the NCPA website uh, by tomorrow and then to CPSN pharmacies today, we will be sharing out some of those resources. And uh, Amber at one of the pharmacies in Tennessee has developed out a, a post-exposure protocol for their staff, and uh, that will be included in there just so people are aware. Fantastic. Thanks, Cody. All right. Oh, Ashley, well, any... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say any any last words. Yeah, again, we just want everybody to stay safe. We want everybody to keep practicing to wash your hands. You can't say that enough to your staff. Um, your staff can't say it enough to their families at home and, and to to your patients. Uh, and yeah. uh, let's all work together for this. And let's not forget to look for the opportunities out there um in this so uh, ashley any final thoughts from you yeah I, I think that you know as we close today I, i've got that i share that concern of we've really got to work toward keeping our staff safe and 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 reinforcing all this communication so whether it's you're sending out text messages talk about it again when you get to work um help them be on the same page um as you as you're kind of thinking through this i know every day changes and you're having to come up with a new plan every day but i think even though it, it doesn't have to be well crafted don't be afraid to just take an action um because i think the staff is looking for that the other side of that is um i think we're going to approach some burnout with some of our staff if, if we don't um kind of step in and try to figure out a plan for that too so you know it's not just our physical health it's the mental health aspect that we have to consider with with our um, hard-working staff that's kind of on the front lines with us during this pandemic and, and again just don't be afraid to to start somewhere whether you have a well-drafted plan of, of every step of the process just implement something and, and um, try your best to protect all those that are around you. Okay. Thank you very much. So don't forget to send those best practices into COVID at CPESN.com. And after listening to this podcast, folks, I want you to go wash your hands uh, and <clears throat> sanitize your phone. We know how nasty those phones are. We know you take them to the bathroom, although you say you don't. So wash your phones, wash your hands, and listen to us uh, next Saturday. Thanks from Joe and Ashley. Have a great day. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, Joe and Ashley, we really appreciate you taking the time uh, to talk with our listeners today. So all, um, to all of our Thrive Subscribe podcast listeners out there, we, we hope you will continue to join us in each Saturday morning. Um, as long as you need this information, we'll keep this going on the Thrive Subscribe podcast channel. We'll have Ashley and Joe back to host this special edition of our COVID-19 practice pearls. Um, so you'll hear from them each week about what they're seeing on the front lines. And you'll also get the opportunity to hear from everyone across the country um, what best practices are coming in uh, to be shared with CPSN. Um, so thanks everyone and we'll see you back next week. The Thrive Subscribe Podcast is brought to you by Thrive Pharmacy Transformations. 
visit us online at tptransformations.com where you can join our free community to inspire you, challenge you, and transform your pharmacy practice.